Um, typically, when it comes to whiskey, terroir is bullshit because what terroir it literally translates to the flavor of the land. Right. It's it's about it's a big deal in wine. Right. It's a huge deal in wine because they've mapped out what the soil content is in different regions, and they're able to detect again how that's going to impact the what's being right. grown there. Right. And it it is first of all for him it is 100% effective in what impacts the grain. So I will say this right now. You guys were detecting a minerality in our whiskey all the way through. That's from a locally grown yellow corn that grows all around us. That is the one thing I can say because I've grown, we've distilled corn, or we've distilled yellow corn outside of our region, within our region. There is a distinctive minerality within the corn that's grown in the north, in in local to us, um, north of what's called the Black Lion Prairie. There's a, a sandier soil, and corn grown in that in that region has a minerality to it that you don't see in other things. So let me just say, Adam, let's start the bonus segment with the beginning of that oh. that that he was doing. I know we're that so, sounds amazing. I know we're yeah. so live on Facebook, but that was such a great explanation. I didn't want to ask him to do it again. Uh, our friend uh, Chris Hart, who nobody cares about, yeah. uh, was Chris uh, Hart who Who's was that? mentioning on uh, on the show notes uh, was asking Robert to tell us how terroir is bullshit, and yeah. so this was a <laughs> great explanation that that I really really appreciated. Before we go into our final tasting here. Uh, that I thought was like really enlightening because with wine, as we mentioned, terroir is like everything. Like it right. is a huge, huge deal, and you could make the same argument for whiskey. But there are people apparently who are saying no, and you're saying yeah, there's something there, right? Yeah, there uh, to me, there definitely is something there. But the big thing with terroir, especially in whiskey, when it comes to making whiskey, because grain is such a commodity. Um, typically, you're not isolating individual farms. You're they're they're just mixing. They're like they're gathering all the corn or all the grain that's grown right. in a region or area, and they're just dumping it all together. So it's very difficult to tell once that's all dumped together. It's just gonna it, it's gonna yeah, be you can't what tell it, where exactly right. it came exactly. From well, and we know from cigars that this makes a huge yes, difference. Yes. You could be a plot of land over here and a plot of land half an acre away. And it have yeah. a, a huge difference. It's soil content. How what much it, sun, the wind right. that went yeah, by, right. and, and what was planted there before, and all of those things. One hundred percent. And then, again, and the argument is like, oh well, but when I taste a Jamaican rum, I, I get that funk. I get that. I can that rubber, imme- yeah. immediately tell it's Jamaican. But I love even that though funk. the molasses comes from everywhere. Well, the argument to me that is, yeah, no, that's part of the other parts of their production is going to create that characteristic, but. If you isolated Jamaican molasses versus molasses from outerware, could you tell a difference between the Jamaican molasses within the same production methodology and molasses from elsewhere in that same methodology? Is there a taste difference? And I'm going to tell you right now, there would be. And it's I believe that. again, yeah. it, it could be minute. It could be a very small part of what it is. It could be 30%. It could be, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to tell until you actually do it. And that's the big issue in spirits is that it's not really been a concern or something that's done other than in areas like in with Sotol or with um, Mezcal or with Cognac where they have very defined regions of where Grand Champagne comes very from for Cognac, yeah. what the border is, because I will tell you, 
the, the guys in cognac will tell you there are five distinct regions of cognac that are produced. And the Grand Champagne tastes very different than Borderese. And Borderese, like they will tell you, there's a violet character that comes through in that distillate that doesn't exist in other regions um, or for spirit from other areas. And it's something that's very distinctive that you can taste. Again, if you're just tasting and you're slugging and you're just hanging out, yeah, you're not going to sit there and decipher that. But for the people that do, the people that are sitting here and being nerdy about it like we are, it is something that very much exists. It's just that for the most part, we haven't cared about it enough. So, are you fun to go out drinking with, or does I am terrible does, to go out does drinking the with? Nerd Arch. factor like totally the nerd take comes over. in. Ah, uh, no. I mean, for the most part, I'm <laughs> I, when I go out drinking at night, like I am not gonna sit there and analyze spirit. Like that's <laughs> well, not do, what I'm you doing. You do a really good job of it, though. I have yeah. to say. I mean, that that's what they pay me the big bucks for. Uh, yeah. no, I wish. Um, no, that's. I can totally see you geeking out like this. I but can. You, you probably when, have to get started on it, right? Exactly. If it's if someone comes in and asks me a question on it, I'm going to sit there and I will I will get into it with 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 people. I, see, I just love that. But to otherwise, me it's, it's a party. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of a party, let's try our final spirit today. This is uh, the Iron Root Harbinger, but it's a little different Harbinger, right? This is a single barrel. Um, the total wine selected last year, um, it's a 129-proof bloody butcher corn. So did they come up to you and select the barrel? Is that they did. They, they came up to can us. We, can we get a picture of bloody butcher corn and put it up? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Adam, maybe you can uh, like, I'm sorry to throw Google, that on you. Google, like, that for apparently us. Google skills. Let's see, let's see how he, how he, he has does. No, Adam has me. mad Google skills. He'll find it. He'll, he'll find it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so uh, they came up. They selected this barrel. That uh, oh yeah, uh, he's two, so good at this. Two of the best we've ever had. Can we on this sample show. those <laughs> and put them on the 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 little red sound machine? Man, if I could sample that and just like put it on the keyboard, I could make a total dance record out of that. Boom, boom. We can we can cover up this sound, and and that would probably be good. All right. Yes. Let's get that. So obviously we're talking about a really high proof here, uh, but we but are. what else should we know? So going what's funny? Into this? Immediately on the nose, yeah, it doesn't smell high proof as the last one. No, it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. The last one is kind of got the nose less proof. A, yeah, got the nose a little more than this. You're right. Like the it's, wood sugars start really playing into this one. Yeah, so it immediately doesn't assault the nose like the last one does. This smells. Brown Holy. sugar. Holy cow, this is it good. It smells. This is a brown sugar bomb is what it is. It's, is it really? I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. I'm just smelling it. Yeah. It smells a little. There's a little marshmallow in the background. Mm-hmm. Yes, you've got that right, too. Um, there's a, I pulled it up on the, it's on the, the image right now. So the image, nice. the image is on right now. This of, is bloody of, butcher corn. Well, it's it's one of the oldest varietals like. developed in the U.S. It's a wow, uh, that is crazy hybrid corn. of yellow dent corn and then some of the Indian red. So it is just dark dent corn. So you don't necessarily put that on the grill and... Oh, no, you could, and it would be very, very good. I, I tell you, when, we, when we're testing out new corns, because every year there's about four or five new varietals that we test out, because I just want to see what they do. Like, I mean, right. there are literally thousands well of different okay, varietals I, of corn. Just now, there's a little lapse. That right now? Yeah, I'm just now seeing the image of the bloody yeah, butcher corn. Gorgeous. Totally get why it's called that, but it's awesome. Yeah. What's amazing is like because there's there are and, and correct me if I'm wrong. There are many varieties of corn that we don't just eat. Right. That we don't like. Right. Just 
put over the stove or put on the grill. They'll be used or, for, or uh, boil for or animal whatever. feed or they'll be used for other purposes. Yeah, the, the, like, they don't know. get soft enough or they're not flavorful enough or whatever. They're they, more like they just put kind of on, a corn grain. They put them thing, on right? sale at uh, at Thanksgiving in those For decoration. Yes. decoration. Yeah, exactly. And it has to do because they're much higher in protein content, which for us as distillers is way more interesting because sugar sugar is great. It creates alcohol. It's sweet. You know, cool, great. But it's those other things that actually create the unique characteristics. Or what becomes organic acids that transfer into esters that go through esterification and trans-esterification over years in barrel that become these really cool flavor profiles. But I can tell you even, like, when we get a new corn, we'll take it and I turn it into a cornbread. Same recipe every single time versus nice. yellow corn. And we taste it. And it's not that it will turn into exactly what you're going to taste in a whiskey. But when they when interesting flavors show up in that cornbread that are different than the yellow corn, that's what's super interesting to me. That's why when we'll actually go into a, a whiskey form of it. That's so Texas hometown beautiful right yeah. there. Isn't it? Yeah. We'll try this corn in a cornbread. Yeah. See if it turns out and good. And if it works. <laughs> See if it turns out good. It goes then. in a whiskey. Yeah. All right. All right. I well, love you is, for that, brother. I want to tell you this. This is serious is what this is. Where is the smoky flavor coming from? There's a smoke in this that's not in any of your other whiskeys. This is, this is very unique compared to the rest of so them. So this is a super unique barrel type, um, something we call a wave stave. So they actually carve grooves into the barrel. And they do a light char over the top. So with the tops of the grooves become charred, the bottoms just get toasted. So it's a charred barrel, but it's very lightly charred. And so you get these really unique uh, wood characteristics that you can't get any other way. And so we've started using these barrel types because you very get that wood oaky. smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very oaky. Like, very like, oaky, but it's got the smoke like you were talking like about. Like there's an oak astringency. And it's what's weird is it's in the middle of the palate. Mm-hmm. There's an oak astringency that shows up right there. They're like right halfway through the swallow. You want to go, nah. But then it follows through with this sweet. The corn comes through. It finish yeah. that just, Wow. And so we use this typically for about 20 to 30% of blends is because you get that structure from the oak and you get the sweetness, but we use that as part of the overall blend of what we're doing. It doesn't dominate what we're doing. It's just that kind of – and when you isolate in single barrels, it's really fun. And that's what I love about some of the single barrels. You get cool things you can't get any other way. So it's one of the best things you've said all day. It's really fun. (laughs) And that, to me, is what this whole thing – is all about. It's is really there a fun. little grapiness in this too? Oh, yeah. I, like I, I'm tasting yes. so many weird things in here that I wouldn't expect, and I want to make sure that I'm not like, oh yeah, I've been drinking. I'm just making shit up now. You know, <laughs> like, we have again. And there's periodically that it appears in our whiskey through some of the fermentation, some of the things we did. We do get this kind of grapey character, and it's again. It, comes from some of those cognac techniques It's a that we very use. green grape kind of flavor, mm-hmm. like green like grape skin right next to the skin, kind of a real tight mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to describe it, like I'm just searching for words mm-hmm. right now. But it's right. wonderful. As you I, add I water, are smart. it just kind of opens I'll, I'll up. I'll give you a word. Oh, yeah. Kick ass. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's delicious. It's fun. Yeah, it really is. Robert, so you've just won a Best Whiskey in the World award. Um, what what's next for you? Like, like where do you go from here? <sighs> you know, you go 
crazier. Um, you go older. You go there's so we're not only are we taking our core range older. Every release we do gets older. Hold, hold on, perspective. How old is the whiskey that just won best? The youngest cask was 27 months. The oldest one was four years old. So months. it was. It was wow. This is a four-year-old. Very so impressive. For for lack of a better term, this is a four-year-old whiskey. Well, yeah, I would say on average it probably was about three-year-old. Um, but younger was younger than, you know, just over two. But the way age statements work, I'm you only, wouldn't have been able to say that. Oh, right. okay. You would, exactly. have, you would have to say. What I'm amazed about is, is the accolades that you got for that come from something that doesn't have an age statement like a lot of them, you know, reserve 12-year-old or reserve 10-year-old or 8-year-old any of that stuff. It's literally less than four years old, and it's that kind of good. People, take heed. Your whiskey doesn't have to be super old to be amazing. With respect to all of our uh, friends. And old whiskey, a lot of times, is amazing. However, it doesn't have to be. But with respect to all of our friends who are in Scotland and are making that wonderful aged whiskey... There's especially some kids. in sherry casks. Oh, oh my god, it's so good. There's, uh, casks are so good. But there's some kids in Texas. Got some four year old single malt. That's there's yeah, coming there's, along. There's oh some kids in Texas giving nice. you a run for your money with three year old whiskey. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you and know? it's I think at the end of the day, age is important. There's some amazing, wonderful things that come with age. Mm-hmm. It's well, not tell, everything. Tell us about that. What does important. age do? Okay, so if you take, for instance, take any one of these whiskeys right here, stick it in a barrel. Uh, your standard American bourbon barrel. Stick it in a barrel and age it. Mm-hmm. Tell me what happens. So, it, I mean, there's a couple. There's, I mean, it, it. There's a complication with that. So, one is how is it cut off the still? How are you taking it off the still? Are you including a little bit more of the tail, some more of the funkier, uh, more estery, heavy distillate? Are you including that in your spirit? Because that's, that's you're being super- too scientific. Yeah. Let's, let's back up. A, let's back up a little. Let's go for like, absolute layman. I take a bottle that I already have and pour it into a charred oak barrel that I got from. There's a couple companies that make those that you can age your own whiskey. Right. right. What happens to what it? What happens to it if I leave it there for ten years? Um, you, you know, it would be gone if you, you're putting it in a small barrel. It ain't gonna last that long. And that's that's right. so some you need things. a number of. So bottles. volume makes a difference. Volume okay. makes a difference. I think that again, how many bottles fit? Because uh, I again, I'm just going down to the very basics. Okay, how many bottles of this size do you get out of one barrel? Uh, what we call a barrel when we talk a about standard fifty three gallon barrel, which is kind of set by Kentucky with two hundred liters, with the you know they say over in Europe. Typically, it's going to be anywhere from when you do low proof, a, you know, a forty to nine, a forty to hundred proof. You're going to do anywhere from one hundred and eighty to hundred uh, to two hundred and twenty bottles. Okay. When you go to cast strength, you're going to drop down closer to one thirty to one fifty. Okay, um, so let's average that to one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. So you take. Something like this. Like, let's just take, for instance, this 90-proof straight bourbon whiskey. Hmm? And you stick it in a barrel that you have kicking around the uh, shop. And you stick it in there for 10 more years. What's going to happen to it? Well, you're going to evaporate a lot out of it. Um, Depending on the condition. Like, here in Texas, you're going to lose... Anywhere from six to fifteen percent, depending. This is on the called story. the angel share. Yeah, it right. is indeed. Um, we have very thirsty angels here in Texas because apparently we need a lot of help. Um, yes, yep. because the air needs more humidity. Exactly. Yes. 
Um, and it, it, again, it depends because of the intensity of the heat and the length of the summer. Yeah. We're gonna have a little bit more interaction. Right. Um, humidity, obviously, it's gonna determine are are you evaporating alcohol or are you evaporating water because of osmosis and all the fun chemistry that goes on with that. Um, so you again, how much you're evaporating, what you're evaporating will change. Is your proof going up in cask? Um, right. If it's going up, you're going to start. That's if water's evaporating. If water's evaporating, so if you have a very low humidity, you're evaporating more water because of osmosis. Your proof's going to skyrocket. So, like in the higher warehouse areas of uh, Kentucky, or you know, well, you're in North, you're in North Texas area. Right. So, what do you usually end up with over there? We're we're going to average between seven to ten percent. Uh, and is it mostly water or alcohol? For us, it's going to be more on the water side. Although we do, I do, we spray water on our warehouse floor pretty often, keep and so, the humidity so up. try we try to keep humidity right, up. Right. So I try to minimize that. Again, we are going to go up about a proof or half a proof every year in, in cask. Um, typically, again, there's always outliers off of that. Um, so you'll see things start creeping up, start go, start going up off off of that, um, and it's. Again, what they're extracting then, because again, the higher proof you go, the more alcohol you're going to extract, more alcohol soluble stuff. So you're going to get more uh, tannins. You're going to get more well, vanilla flavors. Yeah, van- vanillin's yeah. A, a phenol, which is extracted much higher. Aww. Which is again, it's really interesting because vanillin is a phenol, so it's extracted higher. But you also have caramelized sugars, which get uh, get dissolved at much l- lower concentrations of alcohol. So they're more water soluble, so right. you can get a vanilla and caramel come out at two kind of different areas and at two different rates. So, if you want more caramel, you're going to go more lower proof. If you want more vanilla, you'll go a higher proof. Huh. And this so, is very interesting. How amazing is that? So within your barrel. Like the wood itself and the char on the wood holds all of these flavors. And then depending on the mm-hmm. alcohol content that you put in, the temperature that it's in. Um, and then on top of that, like the disparation of temperature between one side and the other side of yep. the barrel, yep. I'm sure. Like like those things oh, yeah. start to blend and get... Mm-hmm. And it, then it comes back down to the barrel. What what part of the forest was it in? What 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 conditions was it growing? Was it? Uh, uh, did you have a lot of really rainy seasons? Did you have a lot of very dry seasons? That's going to encourage what the wood is doing, how tight those rings are on the wood, and what that's going to give up to to the whiskey ultimately. And so amazing. That's why you can have it, the exact same whiskey right next to each other on a rack in the same part of the warehouse and those barrels are going to taste different and it's just if you do not Amazing. taste the barrels yeah. there is no way to know how those barrels are developing and that's why we love that elevage that french concept where again the guys in our mix some of the guys in army neck we were talking to were like how often do you taste barrels we're like every barrel every day all right well um, i'm gonna have to come well, out and lick some barrels yeah, yeah. you know come it, hang out it reminds me of the words of the great kenny rogers who once said in relation to his chicken restaurant, Kenny Rogers Roasters, it's the wood that makes it good. Oh, I thought you were going to say you got to know when to. Hold well, them. you do need to know when to hold them and when to fold them. To That's true. Yeah, sure. yeah. But it's the wood that makes it good. You got to know when to walk away. Yeah. Actually, I I pulled up to, to the run. to the both, drive both are true. <laughs> I pulled count up. your money. I'm not stopping this, by the way. I don't think there's a Kenny Rogers <laughs> when Roasters you're at the left. Table. Yeah, right. I don't think they exist anymore. There'll be time enough for counting. I went to one. And I pulled up. Done. I pulled up to the uh, drive-through, 
And I swear to God, the person came on the speaker and said, Kenny Rogers Roasters, it's the wood that makes it good. May I help you? That's awesome. I've remembered that for my entire life. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Uh, i got to tell you, Robert, this has been such fun. Ian, do you, do you, are you still with the Promethean? Is that still your favorite? That is so good. That one and um, second, was it the straight bourbon? Yes, that one. Right Those there, two are my 100% favorite. But I, I just want to speak up and say there's but nothing, Promethean there's nothing so we tried good. today that didn't float my boat. So like everything was really, really good. The, the last one we tried is probably, I would go, I, I would actually say probably Promethean and then that uh, guy. There's that yeah. guy and then that the uh, street. Mm-hmm. They're all good, though. It's it's hard to say. It's like picking a favorite child. They're yeah. also good. Yeah. yeah. And that's got to be tough for you, too, when people ask you. What your favorite is? What do you say? It depends Whiskey. on the day. What kid is behaving the best that day is really what it comes down to. <laughs> uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us for the bonus segment, and thank you for joining us for show number one seventy four. Next week, number one seventy five, halfway to two hundred. We are very excited about all of it, and I love you all. Cheers, everybody. Hey, Cheers, everybody. Thanks for letting me be on the last of the musical episodes before That's we right. go crazy. This, this was a huge, huge moment in smoking and toasting history. The end of an era my mom is very upset about it's us the losing. end of an era my mom is very upset about us losing the clash by the way no, <laughs> she, a clash no she has no idea has no, idea, right? <laughs> no <laughs> idea have a great week uh, people cheers time. cheers <laughs>